0: You're listening to episode 48 of the STEM Space. Do you know what's in your air? It might be pretty gross to think about, but we're talking with Natasha today about a recent project that you can have access to for your classroom, learning about air quality. There might be some pig lungs in there too. Stay tuned. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college
1: roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences
0: as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. I am so excited to hear about some things you've been working on, because I know you've been really busy about doing some really amazing outreach stuff that I'm actually pretty jealous about because <laughs> I want to be one of the students who is exposed to the stuff that you're gonna talk about. So just talk about it, what are you doing? So
1: you, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, I've been posting these videos of a pair of lungs from a pig. And I've been showing students, like these are real lungs. Um, one of them is a healthy pig lung and the other one is, um, has been exposed to air pollution, totally simulated. We. The question I always get is why did you torture the pig? Why did you make the pig smoke? Like how that <laughs> happened did not happen. Um, it was all taken from a, a meat processing facility. So the pig was probably breakfast for somebody. Um, and so we use the lungs to teach science. And um, it's really cool. I can post the link of where to get those. It's a science kit available from NASCO Education and It has been the center of this, uh, activity that I've been working on. But to connect back to a previous podcast, do you remember that Saturday where I had to go to class and bring food and I didn't know what the activity was?
0: Yes, that was torture.
1: Yeah. And so the class is scientific inquiry and it's about how do you teach science through inquiry and it takes. How do people learn and like effective science teaching and like brings it all together in this class and so the first half of the semester was all these activities that our professor made us do and like tortured us with and one of them was about how do you chew and it talked about the function of your mouth and the digestive system and we explored that through this like really hands-on experience where we ha- couldn't eat for like 12 hours and and there was another one with M&Ms. If you remember, we were like throwing them at our professor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So definitely listen to that podcast episode if you haven't already. Otherwise you're probably really confused right now.
1: <laughs> okay. And so all of that comes to the end of the semester where now we are in charge of taking an activity and turning it into something that's more inquiry based. And so the first activity, which we absolutely have to do a podcast on, was the classic balloon rocket. Have you done that with your students?
0: Oh yeah, all the time.
1: Yeah. So it's a very classic experiment and... What I did is I totally turned it around and I made it a little bit better at promoting some ideas. And I also realized that the way we teach it has some very, has bad misconceptions, actually. It's like promoting things that are not accurate. So that's a little teaser for a future podcast episode, but I want to get back to those pig lungs. So (laughs) we're going to talk about this activity about air pollution and the original activity is from teach engineering i'm going to call them out because if someone's used this activity please comment or tag me because it's called pollution catcher and i was really excited about it and the idea is i wanted to give students a very concrete experience on the stuff in our air and the way i started the lesson was what is in our air and kids always go to the science definition of like the gases that our air is made up of And what I was trying to get at is, but there's other stuff, right? That maybe you don't see. And the things could be like dirt and dust and sand and pollen. And there's questions you could ask to kind of get kids to think about it. What's even better is if you can like catch some of this stuff and have kids see it. So I found this on Teach Engineering and it's literally a piece of index card with a hole cut out in the middle and some tape. And you stick it outside, and this tape is supposed to catch all this like dust and dirt and like these big particles. Yeah. So I did it, and I put it in. Uh, so in my grad school like building, there's this really disgusting stairwell. I hung it in there for 24 hours. I put it in the student offices, just hanging there. I put it outside of my car exhaust. So like I turned my car Ooh. on. And had it, yeah, right. And then I put it, I created this little fire in a jar called smoke in a jar. And I'll, I'll link the stuff on how to do that because of all the particles that come out of a fire. Right? Sure. And so I, I did this experiment four different times. Which one do you think had
0: the most stuff on this pollution catcher? Uh, I would probably say... Car exhaust?
1: Yeah. I was thinking that one or, or the fire. Fire. Yeah. Something that like, that like, I know
0: stuff comes out of. Yeah.
1: Right. Like you see it. Claire, I got nothing. I got nothing on this catcher and I'm showing here, the, you know, the listeners can't see it, but what you're seeing are four samples and do you see anything on these pieces of paper?
0: No, nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. And so my big vision was I was going to take what they found and put it on grid paper and then they could count the number of particles and do some really cool math. And that was the yeah. extension that teach engineering had. And then someone else said, well, you could use petroleum jelly. So you put like a layer of petroleum jelly. Okay. Catch Nothing. I was never able to catch anything like I literally yeah. made a fire. And nothing was on my piece of paper. It was the
0: most disappointing thing. That's what I was thinking. I was like, there must be something with the adhesive. So maybe like the heat from the exhaust and the fire wouldn't make things stick. But petroleum jelly is like, surely. Surely.
1: surely, Right. I know. And so I've been like scouring the internet and people have done this. And there's other websites that are like, this is a great activity. But it's not... It's not. So I have tested this for you guys. (laughs) I do not recommend this approach. Unless you have like extremely dirty air, you might catch something. But I'm going to talk about why because I kept investigating like what is going on and how can I now teach air pollution because I wanted something like concrete for the kids to like see visibly what it is. So I started, like I was telling you in the beginning, what's in our air? I asked the kids, like, if you go outside and you have allergies, like what causes that to flare up? Why are you sneezing? So like that's pollen in the air. Another great example is if you use a projector and you turn off the lights, do you ever see those little particles floating?
0: Yes. And sometimes you can catch it on a camera when you use a flash. Mm-hmm. You look at those orbs.
1: Yeah. Or even just a flashlight. You could turn off the lights, turn on a flashlight. And if your air is dirty enough, yeah. <laughs> you can see like all the dust particles or just like dust itself. Like if you have a dirty, like always oh, a thermostat in a classroom, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary, but you could swipe your finger on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then ask the kids, where did this come from? Where's where all this stuff coming from and how did it get there? And the answer is in the air, it traveled through the air. So there's all this stuff that we don't think about that's in our air. And then a great investigation is pulling an air filter from the ceiling so if you're, you might even have one in your classroom, and I think that's the best way to do it, is like get on a chair and pull it out of the ceiling of your class and be like, look guys, this is what's inner air. And you can give kids magnifying glasses and have them like look at all the particles and they'll see stuff like dirt and hair and they'll just be totally grossed out. <laughs> and I'm seeing your face because you're looking at this picture. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's saying, uh, I mean, they need to change their air filter more. This picture <laughs> that you're showing me right now, which makes me think, is somebody actually changing the air filter in my classroom? <laughs> I oh, should probably scary. look at that. Oh, gross. And they might not actually know what it is because it's usually not the
1: kids that are changing air filters. So and true. So- telling them what it is, what the purpose is, worded again, all this stuff come from an air filter is to kind of get their brain to think about, oh wow, there might be stuff that I didn't realize was there. And something I've learned from this class is you don't, as much as you can avoid vocabulary, so just call it dirty stuff. It's not pollution, it's not particles. Use the words that the kids offer and just build from that, use their ideas, and then let them lead the discussion. So what other experiences maybe they have in your town, if there's like dust storms, like things that you can connect to is the best way to do this lesson. And then that leads to an activity on the whiteboard where you say, okay, now that you're convinced that there's stuff in our air, where does that stuff come from?
0: So Claire, I'm gonna ask you, where do you think dirty stuff in the air comes from? I've always been grossed out by the fact that our skin sheds and then turns into dust and floats everywhere. <laughs> so it's from our skin. Okay. Also from dirt outside. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then probably stuff from plant life, like pollen. Yeah. Good job.
1: I'm writing these down as I've I'm went doing through. well. <laughs> <laughs> what else did we, um, okay, say, how did you get to school today? If a oh, from
0: the car, so stuff in mm-hmm. the car. So, yeah, pollutants. Can I say? Can I say those words?
1: Well, how, what would a fifth-grade student say?
0: Oh, smoke.
1: <laughs> okay, that's good.
0: And, and if you're
1: thinking about transportation, what else might cause
0: stuff in the air?
1: So you have cars.
0: <laughs> well, if you're talking about my students, they would say horses. So there'd be like Ooh. feces yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: while you were talking what i did is i had two columns and these columns do not have headers they are just two columns and i was purposefully putting them in certain columns and so in one column i have airplanes and cars and trains and in the other column i have dirt pollen skin smoke horses cows and i would ask the students what are these two columns? Why did I separate them? And so what was my reasoning? How would you categorize these two things? I would
0: say that they're things that humans make and that maybe we can control and other things are more natural. You get an A plus. Yes.
1: (laughs) And so what what I did there is I'm mentally engaging my kids, right? I'm Mm -hmm. forcing them to really think about what they just told me and instead of just saying here's man made here's natural sources of air pollution they had to be like wait why did she put that in that category and how are those connected and that gets the idea of there are two different types of sources man made and natural sources and that is setting us up for the the lesson
0: oh i love that yeah that's so great to get them really thinking about thinking about all the important things
1: all right so now the next part is i actually did this demo that i talked about the fail demo in the beginning Yes, I told the students about it and I said, I went to my car and I collected some dirty stuff. We said that, you know, cars are a source of air pollution. And I asked them, what do you think I got? And so they probably were like black, dirty stuff. And like, it was probably full of things. And I showed them the actual collector, like I took from my car. And I did this a couple of Saturdays ago with a group of sixth grade students. And I had these like big collectors and they're like looking really close. And they're like, I don't see anything. Like it was a quick pr- question, right? <laughs> and that's where we get to the size. And in the next part, I explain the reason you don't see anything is because the stuff that comes out of cars is so small. And so if you look at a piece of your own hair, so Claire, look at some of your hair. Yes. It's about 50 micrometers. A piece of this particle coming from your car is two and a half micrometers. So if you can imagine the size difference, that is why, and there's a picture you can show the kids that compares it to a grain of sand. It is so tiny that there's no way we could see it visually. And you actually would need a really powerful microscope to see all that tiny stuff
0: coming from your car. That makes sense. So I actually was kind of thinking about this. I know, I know it sounds like I'm making this up right now just to defend myself, but when I worked at an airplane manufacturing facility, I was in charge of a lot of the environmental safety with our paint system. And so we had to measure everything in parts per million. So you had to make sure that all of the stuff that came out of the paint booth was under a certain amount of parts per million. So obviously everything was really small, but like a million parts of air, it could only be a really tiny bit. So obviously you couldn't see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think this part's really critical in, you know, trying to get the idea that this stuff is so small. And, you know, if we were wanting to measure the amount of dirty stuff in our air, our piece of tape is not a great way to do it. And so we need a better tool. And that's where we introduce this idea of a sensor that scientists use, that allows us to detect these really, really tiny particles that come from cars and other sources of pollution. And so the next day, what I did is I actually had one of these monitors and I'd show them the scale. And it basically gets the idea, the more particles you have in the air from cars and trains and airplanes, the worse your air pollution and it starts to get really unhealthy and then we send them off and we actually took our monitors around campus. So this activity was at Texas A&M, so you could do this around your school. And before we let them out, they come up with what they wanna investigate. So I'm like, okay, so we have our list of sources that you came up with of maybe where air pollution is coming from. What do we know about our school and where maybe are those sources around our building, inside and outside? So Claire, at your school, where do you think we could measure some differences in air?
0: Uh, I would say in the bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what my students would want to know. How bad is the air in the bathroom?
1: What about outside?
0: Yeah, I would ooh, outside. Um, probably where around doors, like where everything's kind of enclosed, I'd want to know if the air quality is less, where it's air is more trapped.
1: Mm. And then, what about the parking lot?
0: Yeah. Yeah, parking lot would be bad. We don't have one of those, but I could imagine. What? <laughs> yeah, our school doesn't have a parking lot.
1: <laughs> Is there like a drop-off zone?
0: Yes. Okay. Drive through. Yeah. Sh- shove your kid out the door. So, yeah.
1: yeah if in a rural area, you would have likely much cleaner air, but depending on how close you are to maybe some
0: cow farms or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually interested to know how how much more cleaner you would perceive our air. Yeah,
1: I, I am curious, and I feel like I need to send you one of these <laughs> to test it out and do this experiment with your kids. Yes. Yeah. And what I did with the students that were at AM at this university town is we went outside, and we were like, oh, the air is pretty good. So it was around a level six. So this number is really, really low. And then we went to a parking garage, and it went up to like an eight. So it wasn't like crazy high. And then we went to one of the busiest roads. So Texas A&M, one of the roads right there, Texas Avenue. And it went up, but it was like a 12. Like it wasn't anything oh. like crazy. And what I decided was like, you know, I need the students to get a real sense of air pollution and like how high this number can go. And so I referenced something earlier about smoke in a jar. So what I did is I simulated really heavy air pollution. And I took a big jar, it could be any kind of big container, a piece of paper and a lighter. That's all you need. If you want to also have a little figure, we called him Robert, that he went in the jar, and we were going to just add some pollution to his little world. And we light up the piece of paper, we stick it in the jar, it creates a lot of smoke. You can put a lid if you want to really trap it in there. Take off the lid and stick your sensor. And I asked the students, what number do you think we're going to get based on what we've just been experiencing? And they were like, oh, like a 20, 25, you know. And so the one that we did went up to about 207. Oh, my goodness. First time I did it. And then we the second time I really trapped the air in there, stuck it in there, it went it broke the sensor. It went to 999. So it was like the maximum amount of particles that it could measure. And the kids were just freaking out. Like they were not expecting, you know, that high of a number. And I was like, is this realistic? Like where might we actually experience this in the real world? So what's your reaction to that?
0: Yeah, that's what I was trying to think. What is my scale here? Like is the... I would think of China as the most polluted. We've you know seen a lot of that with the the pandemic. When you look mm-hmm. back at maps and see how pollution is cleared when not yep. as many people are out. And I'm wondering what like the most polluted city, like in China or in in India. What what would that number be? I don't even know.
1: Okay, so hold that thought because I am going to come back to that. So you okay. you're going exactly where I wanted to go. All right. So the the connection we made was wildfires would experience oh. this extreme level of air pollution. So in California, sure. for example, if a you know a building catches on fire, the firefighters have to go in and rescue people. That's why they wear the masks, because they would be like this little figure, Robert, right? Stuck in this trapped area of smoke. Like I didn't do anything magical. It was just a piece of paper on fire. And that's what that, you know, concentrated amount of air pollution is like. And so after we did that, the next part is connecting it to their city. So we looked at a map of called station and we identified what we thought maybe are our sources of air pollution and then investigated it through. So this part I would recommend as the teacher, the kids come up with the locations, they rank where they think are the highest and lowest levels. And then the teacher goes around town, maybe takes a selfie, like, look, I'm at the <laughs> McDonald's drive through <27." laughs> 27. And... So we started very local and then we got a little bigger and this is connecting to that previous podcast where you showed kids the map of their school, Yeah, like a perfect tie-in. And so I got a bunch of data. Actually, we went to a cow farm and wrote down observations, which is really important. You know, like, what do you smell? What do you see? Cows. There's no cars though. So maybe cars aren't the only source of air pollution. And what you're doing is you're filling in the gaps. And so maybe there's things that they didn't write down as sources of air pollution that you're introducing and that you can talk about. And there's so many directions to go with this activity. So you kind of tailor it to what you experience in your city, what the kids are interested in. And now we're gonna go global. So you talked about China and where what's happening there. There is the World's Air Pollution Real-Time Air Quality Index. And what? so we're gonna link it down below. I highly encourage you guys to check it out. So, Claire, what you're looking at is a map of real data. So if we go into, let's go to the U.S. for a bit. So we can see New Mexico. Yeah, We're okay. doing pretty good. 27. So
0: it shows colors yep. based on a scale. So green would be good. As it gets towards red, that's bad, right?
1: Exactly. And there's a very worrying number. I'm not sure what is happening in oh, North, no. Kansas. But it looks oh, like an event has occurred. A and tornado.
0: These,
1: yeah. And so this is a 999. So there is a potential fire that the sensor is close to is most likely what's giving that really high reading. Oh, wow. You can see California is doing okay. It's green and yellows, but you can kind of identify where some of the cities are because they're going to be a little bit worse off, you know, than some of the rural areas. Now, where do you want to go in the world?
0: I would like to see China. Let's go. Where are you at, China? <laughs> All right. What are you looking at? What do you see? It is a lot of red, a lot of purple, very unhealthy. 221. Yeah. And what? Oh, that's you, at a port?
1: Yes. So the ports actually are really bad.
0: Huh. Oh. You would think closer to the ocean would help dissipate some of that pollution, but I, I guess not.
1: Yeah, it's just very concentrated from all the factories that are close by and then the shipping ports. So, all of the fumes coming off, and it also depends on the geography. So, if they're oh, sure. kind of in a valley and it's trapping in all the air pollution, you could have a lot of issues. So, that's one direction you can go with this is looking at maps of certain places and what can you tell about the terrain, also, weather. Uh, What time of year are you? What are the wind conditions like? Is there wind that's kind of blowing out the the air pollution or is it really trapping it in? If the students are more advanced, you can talk about the ozone layer and different temperature changes in the atmosphere. And sometimes it traps in some of that air pollution in different layers. So it's just a really open-ended activity, right? Depending on what you want to do.
0: I love that it shows even the past 12 months worth of data in every place too. So you can see, is this normal or is there some sort of event? I guess is how you're able to tell if this is a anomaly of some sort. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And some other questions that the students had, there's places that there is not data, right? It's just not as available. So for example, China is filled with these air quality monitors, but if you look Mm. at Africa, what do you notice?
0: Very few.
1: Yeah. There's, entire countries with zero data. And that's to say, why isn't there data there? Why are we not collecting information there? Is there air pollution? Does that mean it doesn't exist? Of course not. <laughs> and so it's it's talking about geography and history and, you know, kind of the equality wow. of access to this data and how important it is. And there are companies that are producing really cheap air quality monitors and trying to make this more of an open access to having you know, kids and classes be part of this data collection so you could install one of these at your school and have your readings be part of this like database for scientists to measure air quality. Fun fact, Brian Call Station does not have an air quality monitoring station. So the last time they've like taken real data, I think was like five years ago. And we are a university like uh, right next door in our town and there's no data for scientists.
0: Wow. You need to get that fixed. I would think that with a nice airport, that that would be a thing also. I think so. Yeah.
1: And so that is the global scale. And then the the way we uh, wrapped up this activity is I called it mystery town. And so what I did is I gave students a set of data for three different places around the world. And what they got was maybe some current events that were happening, a weather report, some population information. So how many people, the types of industries and so on. And what they're trying to do is identify sources of air pollution in that town and then rank them based on which was the worst. And so they would have a little debate on, okay, well, I think this one's worse because they have wildfires, but this one has cow farms. That's got to be bad, right? (laughs) And so they're bringing in all of that knowledge on sources of air pollution and putting in this activity, and then revealing at the end like, well, you're actually talking about Los Angeles or, you know, New York City. So that's like one approach on how to do it. And then to do an engineering design aspect, have them propose a solution to dealing with some of these issues and maybe targeting, say, cars are the main source of air pollution in your city what can we do about it should we go from making cleaner cars changing the way we fuel cars to you know other ways to have transportation that's greener reducing the amount of cars there's like so many directions policy there's like a great you know different number of ways to do it so that was my big concluding project in this class and Oh, and I, of course, have to mention that this curriculum (laughs) is going to be freely available to any teachers that want to use it. So we're going to post down a link if you would like access to this activity. And if you do want access, you will also be entered into a raffle to win your very own class set of pig lungs (laughs) (laughs) to get to do this really dramatic demonstration of the impact of air pollution on health. That's amazing. So
0: can you do like a quick run through of how you demonstrated with the pig lungs? Cause you just talked about just having some pig lungs. You just like show them be like, here's some pig lungs. This is a pig right. that's healthy. This is a pig that's smoked for 20 years.
1: Right. So <laughs> the wh- when I did it with the students, they experienced that smoke in a jar and this like really, really high level air pollution. And I was like, what do you think would happen to your body if you were exposed to this for you know, a year or five years. Then we looked at China and some other places that have extremely high levels of air pollution and just showed pictures of what that looks like. And so then they came to the conclusion, they're like, probably your lungs because you're breathing in that air. And that's when I did the big reveal and I was like, and here's an example of what that looks like. And so it is this contraption where these lungs are hanging from a frame and there's one really pink, healthy looking lung and one that's like gross and black. And there's actually some tumors on it. And yeah, (laughs) and there is a pump, an air pump. And it's awesome because the kids get to do it. And so they get to push down on this pump that pushes air into the, into the lungs. And you'll notice that the pink lung is small in the beginning and that stretches really, really big and comes back together. Whereas the smoke infused unhealthy lung is just kind of like, just looks wrong <laughs> yeah. and it's just like laying there and then it kind of expands and then comes like back together, but just was off, you know, and like, it's very visible and the best part, only some students did this, you can touch the pig lungs. Oh, man! so they got to feel the texture of the lungs as you're pumping air into it. And you can feel the differences between the lungs. And then we connected that to asthma and all these other health impacts when you have these lungs. And of course, if you know somebody who smokes, Or if you are around somebody that smokes, that can have the same exact impact and how dangerous that is and leads to lung cancer. And then eventually those particles, that particle size we talked about, really important. Because when you get really, really tiny, it actually goes from your lungs into your bloodstream. And that can cause cancer and heart attacks and other issues. And that's why this lesson is focused on what they call particulate matter, the really, really tiny stuff that's the most dangerous and that we have the least policy and like safety controls around. So
0: that's why this is a really important issue. Absolutely. And what a great way to really visualize that and bring that full circle about why it's important to everybody to know this information. So what is the, the, the bad pig lung? What is the actual simulation there? Is that like a lung that's been exposed to pollution for a certain amount of time? Is there a, like what, how much no. pollution do you have to need to end up like that? Oh
1: yeah. So what it's simulating is 25 years of smoking one pack of cigarettes every day or being in a city that has, It's I think it was like 300 was like the level on our scale that we looked at, the particulate matter, like experiencing that throughout your lifetime. So in like a really heavily air polluted city would be equivalent to about
0: a pack of cigarettes a day. Wow. Yeah, that's that would be really eye opening for so many students.
1: And it's permanent damage. So if you smoke cigarettes and it changes the color of your lungs to that like black grayish looking, you could stop and it would make your, your rate of like lung disease and all these things go down, but your lungs would still have that color because it's permanent. Like it permanently dyes them, which is crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah. They, they should, so don't you should make a commercial. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's like the commercials that they used to run back in the day about like, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Do you yeah. remember that? With the egg? And I was always like, how, how's the egg? I don't understand. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not I don't know that's really not. realistic,
0: but showing pig lungs. I feel like that would <laughs> stay with you forever.
1: I had a couple students that knew people that smoked, were like a grandparent and it was just so eye opening because they knew it was bad, but just seeing it just like really kind of gets the message across. And it's gross, but like cool at the same time. But you just yeah. like, you have to like, it's hard for me to explain the differences, but I will definitely post a video and we have it on Instagram where you can just visually see the difference in your the performance of your lung. And there is actually a way to do this with your students. If you don't have a pair of pig lungs, but you want to get across health impacts, having them do some kind of exercise just normally, and then having them do it by breathing through a straw. Oh, and so that's what happens. It like diminishes your lung capacity after being exposed to that much air pollution. And it's really hard to do jumping jacks, breathing through a straw.
0: Goodness. You guys pass pass out. <laughs> but potentially an activity to do. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd have to get waivers signed before I try that. Maybe. maybe you as the teacher. <laughs> ah, yes. I will sacrifice myself for the sake of their health. <laughs> So one last question, because this is amazing. And I think it's incredible that teachers can have the opportunity of having this curriculum for them to show their students this real world application of science. But I really want to know how much, if if you know this, how much does smell correlate to air quality? Like, could I tell by just sniffing and being like, air quality is poor here because it smells (laughs) really badly of sour fish or something? (laughs)
1: hundred (laughs) percent, my scientific answer. So that is actually the way, one of the questions I ask students is, okay, whenever you're standing at like a traffic light and this big semi-truck comes by, how do you know it's causing air pollution? Two ways. One, you see the smoke coming out, but two, you smell it, right? You can smell it and that's your nose picking up on all those particles that are in the air. Same with a fire. All those little particles are going right into your face and you're breathing them up is very directly correlated. And sometimes your smell picks things up that your eyes can't see. And there's examples online of cities that have really bad air pollution, and you can't tell. Like, it looks like a beautiful day, but there's really high levels of this like particulate matter, but it's just so uh, tiny. And just like the light conditions make it where you can't see, but you can probably smell it. So I think we have our sense of smell for a reason. And that
0: is to help us stay away from danger. (laughs) And this is one of those dangers to stay away from. And that is science, ladies and And gentlemen. that is science. (laughs) Well, thank you, Natasha, so much for sharing this incredible experience that you had. And I can't wait to share this with my students. And I'm excited to see the kind of air
1: pollution in
0: your rural town. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll definitely share later.
1: Sounds good. Well, let me know if anybody's interested in getting access to this curriculum. Use the link below and check out the video of the pig lungs. And we will talk to you guys later.
0: All right. See ya. Bye-bye.